Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bucky Cast. You have Will and Rob here today. Unfortunately, John cannot join us this evening. Rob, how are you, man? I am doing well. I'm enjoying this frigid, snowy weather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The uh, We had a tweet on our account earlier this week about one of our members getting snowed on the way to work, and uh, that was me. So that was... I was I was awake by the time I got to work, obviously. Let's put it that way. But it's supposed to warm up a little bit. I think in Madison Lee's supposed to get close to like 70 this weekend. So I think I think Sunday it's gonna hit 70 Sunday. again. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Everyone go outside on Sunday. Yeah. So we got jam packed schedule, got a lot of sports in action here. Got a couple of exciting visits for a couple of sports coming up this weekend. So uh hopefully we got got some fun stuff to talk with Avi today. But first we got our beer round table. And actually, I wish John was here because I feel like I got like the most unique one so far. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to go first. Is that all right, Yeah, Rob? go ahead. Yeah. All right, yeah. So uh, one of my favorite breweries in Wisconsin is Three Sheeps out of Sheboygan. Um, and I got a West Coast style IPA. It's called Offshore. And it says featuring cashmere, Simcoe, and Centennial hops. I thought cashmere is something you wore. <laughs> I'm guessing this is something else. Maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong. I don't know. But it's tasty beer. You know, usually I'm more a fan of lagers pilsners stuff like that uh but this is a this is a good beer big fan are centennial hops hops that are 100 years old man i don't know <laughs> they've been they've been brewed if they've been like harvested or like growing for 100 years like people have been using them to make beer for 100 years that's a specific strand maybe like i don't know uh-huh. what do you got rob all right i went with a spreckers it's this oh. new thing called a root beer no it's oh. uh <laughs> it's an abbey triple belgian style ale it's nice, good color, tastes great. <laughs> Got the stein, I can see. All right, so let's get to it. Rob, you want to start us off with uh, kind of updating us on the volleyball team? Yeah, so the um, number five Wisconsin, Wisconsin women's volleyball team uh, was able to secure two victories over the last week. They beat Iowa 3-0, swept them, which was expected, and then they played number 24, Michigan, and they won 3-1, uh, some pretty close matches, uh, 25-27 in the first. Uh, they won the second handily. And then 26-24, um, they went oh, – I'm sorry, they lost the first one, 25-27. Uh, then they won the second one handily, uh, nail-biter in the third to go 26-24, and then they closed it out with a 25-22 win. Uh, Chanel Bramschreiber played really shored up the defense and the receiving uh, for the back row. So it looked really good. And the and Sarah Franklin, of course, was named the Big Ten player of the week and just continues to shine from pretty much any position on the court. They, they don't they don't even want to pull her off the court because uh, she's performing really, really well. Next week, they have games on uh, 1021 at Michigan uh, versus Michigan State at home. But then they got to go to Michigan on the 23rd and, again, uh, play the number 24 team in the country. So we'll see how the next week does for the Wisconsin women's volleyball team. Moving on to the men's soccer team. They have only had one game since our last show. Well, actually, they're they're having our second one against Indiana right now. And we checked a couple minutes ago. They have tied it up against Indiana. It's currently a one-to-one game. So if we have any updates throughout this show, we'll be sure to add those in. But they had a draw against number seven Maryland where they tied up at two to two and one team that this men's team has struggled a little bit is like they're not maybe the best offensively compared you know some of these other teams that are you know doing better in the big 10 so to a I may mean, have a draw against number 17 in the nation for this team 
good achievement and it put up two goals. Um, as someone who does not know much about soccer, I am going to assume that was a good outing for them. So like I said, they got the game currently is Indiana and they are at Northwestern on, I think, Sunday, the 23rd. Yeah. Be nice if the men's soccer could kind of end on a nice and then a nice finish here because they I thought they started the season okay and kind of hit a hit a road bumper too once Big Ten season started. Yeah, women's soccer unfortunately had a, a bit of a rough ride over the last week. They started the week in I think in second place in the Big Ten, and they ended up losing two games, two matches against Rutgers and Penn State. And unfortunately, they didn't score any goals in those two games. So Aaron McKinney was working her tail off, but unfortunately the team came up short in those two games. So they have dropped from second place in the Big Ten down to fifth place in the Big Ten. There's two games left uh, for the regular season and then the Big Ten tournament will start. So they play Illinois on Thursday and then they play Nebraska on Sunday. Both teams, they should be able to compete and and probably beat so hopefully they can finish the season strong and just to give everyone a heads up uh, we will be having an interview with the women's soccer head coach Paula Wilkins and also Aaron McKinney the uh, star goalie that we've had going this year so stay tuned this weekend we should be able to get that one out by this weekend and be, should be a pretty good interview I think yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to that and also I think I think goalie and soccer, well, soccer or even, you know, hockey are, that's one position where, I mean, there's a lot of positions in sports. I don't have a good understanding in, but that that's, that's gotta be one where it, it's gotta be, you know, near the bottom of the barrel for me in terms of my understanding. Also both teams, Wisconsin lost two Rutgers and Penn state. They were both ranked. That's I think correct. Rutgers, that's I think Rutgers was eight and Penn state was 25. If that's I remember correct. correctly. So yeah. uh, it's not like they're just falling up. I mean, they had a tough week of games. I uh, unfortunately fell short. Our probably crown jewel of Wisconsin sports, women's hockey, continues to start the season on a very strong note. Assuming State Cloud, excuse me, State Saint Cloud State five zero, and then three to two. I think that three to two match is the closest they've had in a couple weeks. It's only win by one is so far for this team kind of a shocker. But you know, I mean, this is like I said, best probably the best program on campus. Uh, Our next series is next week against Bemidji State, and I'm looking forward to probably another sweep from our from our women's hockey team. Rob, how's the men's team doing? Wow, wow, wow! So on the <laughs> flip side, men's hockey uh, lost. They got swept by St. Cloud State, one five and one two. So uh, again, defense just continues to be an issue with the men's hockey team. Um, it's an zero and four start. I don't think we can say it's more disappointing than that really hope that the that the guys can come on strong and hopefully have a good showing through uh the middle part of the season coming up next series is october 21st and 22nd uh this week at minnesota duluth so another tough matchup so hopefully they can hopefully they can have a decent showing yeah i think we kind of mentioned last week uh granado's seat has got to be at the very least warm conservatively um we can make that statement but like you said hopefully turn it around you know it's fun when we got a when we got a competitive hockey team hopefully they can keep that going i shouldn't say that we do have a competitive hockey team our our women's program is yeah among (laughs) if not the best program in the nation consistently 
speaking, of course. Um, and lastly, well, I mean, if things oh, continue ahead, to yeah. if things continue the way that they are, maybe we need to start a women's football team. <laughs> this is this is one season. This is not multiple seasons of disappointment. Let's, although I do appreciate the humor here. Men's basketball also has some just really quick quick nuggets here. Uh, I cannot remember if we mentioned this last week, but they were picked. Yeah. The men's basketball team was picked ninth, picked to finish ninth in the Big Ten this year. Uh, I wish I copied the actual quote, but Greg Gard was asked about it at Big Ten Media Days last week, and he was like, "Well, you know, we were picked to finish tenth last year," so he very casually told the media to. I won't finish that sentence. Uh, but yeah, so he kind of said what he thought about the preseason rankings, and you know, he just said, "Yeah, you, you got to play the games. You know, it doesn't." The preseason rankings are fun, fun to talk about, but at the end of the day, you got to play your schedule. So, Rob, I think you agreed with me last week when I said, like, you know, whatever, we're going to be top four anyway. So, I agree. I don't really care what what folks got to say. And then this is turning into kind of a, a big, uh, big weekend for the basketball team. We got two official visits with Jack Robeson and Daniel Freitag coming in. For those who maybe don't know or don't remember, both these guys play on the same AAU basketball team in Minnesota. Daniel Freitag is a point guard. Jack Robeson is kind of that, you know, Swiss army knife, small forward. Robeson is from the same high school as Tyler Wall and uh, Nate Reavers and Nolan Winter, who recently committed to, to Wisconsin. So Wisconsin is, you know, I think trying to just get another, another guy out of that school. And then Jackson McAndrew, who not from that same high school, but from that same AU program is in town for an unofficial based on what we have been told. And, and heard Rob, you're usually the one that likes to put some like big energy around commitment for recruiting weekends. Are you having a sense of optimism with anyone here? Well, this one's a little tough for me because I mean, I don't mind sweeping the state of Minnesota of all of their rich talent, but unfortunately the year, you know, class of 24 has some rich Wisconsin talent as well. So part of me says, yeah, let's let's get them all signed up this weekend. And then part of me says, well, hold on. Let's see what's going on with the Wisconsin guys, too. But I don't think Frytag's going to pull the trigger. Uh, I do think there's a good chance Robeson pulls the trigger. I, I'm still intrigued by Frytag on whether he decides to play football or basketball. I really, at this point in time, wouldn't mind to see him come in as a receiver for the football team as well. But in all honesty, I'd really like to see him and Robeson both show up uh, in Wisconsin for the basketball team. I, I'm not as high on McAndrew as, 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 Andrew as, uh, as a lot of other people, but uh, I wouldn't turn him away either. Yeah, I mean, I think basketball is such a different animal compared to football, especially with recruiting. Yeah. If Freitag if did commit, that would be huge. You know, I don't think he, based on rankings, he by no means would be like the highest rated recruit we've ever had. But that guy would just be something different at the point guard position. And oh, man, that'd be huge. And I think, like you said, like Robeson might be a little light, more likely if one person was going to commit. I think, and even if was even if one of these guys does pull the trigger, I think it'd be huge for this class because, as you mentioned, a lot of talent in Wisconsin this year as well. Wisconsin is sitting pretty good with a handful of uh, prospects. And if we can get one to kind of like start that process, that could be that could be huge going forward. All right. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we will talk Wisconsin football. Uh, got homecoming this week versus Purdue. All right. We are back from a quick break, folks. So Wisconsin football, we, you know, had a tough loss in double overtime at Michigan State. You know, this people have said it this week, coaching staff, players, 
various journalists and analysts. There were times in that game where Wisconsin looked good, and there were times that game Wisconsin looked bad, which is an almost infuriatingly frustrating to kind of like have that outlook. But unfortunately, it's just kind of where this team's at. So, Rob, let's start on a, on a, on a positive note. What's a, a takeaway you had from this game that you think is, is a positive, is something to, to take away in a, in a good light from this team? I liked the grit that the team showed at the end of the game. It was it would have been very easy given the flow of the game and kind of what happened throughout the game and where they were to have given up, but they didn't. They came back, they fought to tie it up and then to, you know, score in the first overtime. I thought that Mertz really showed some grit and ability in completing those passes, those long passes and getting those two touchdown passes at the end of the game, because before that he really was not having a great game. So just that grit was really promising. I just, I hope they can show it throughout more of the game later. Yeah. I think regardless of your thoughts on Graham Mertz, one thing he has wildly improved from last year is being able to make a mistake and not have that turn into two, three, four, five mistakes. Yeah. That's a huge step he's made. For me, I think the defense is kind of getting a tough rap. Were they perfect? No. But, you know, up until that last touchdown they scored, Michigan State, that is, scored with about three minutes left in the game, Wisconsin had only let up 14 points, and seven of those were on an absurdly short field, where Michigan State, I think, started at, what, the 14-yard line? Mm-hmm. 14 or 15? In regulation, at least, the Wisconsin defense – Definitely played good enough to win the game. You know, I think had Wisconsin won an overtime, I think that stop Jay Shaw had that forced Michigan State to rush on the field and kick a field goal. And that could have been the play of the game. Fortunately, it wasn't. In general, big picture, I like the way the defense played. Now, on the flip side, there was also cause for concern. And I'm going to go first with this one because I think it ties in really closely to what I just described. While our defense played good enough to win, our offense, to be fair, they started off well, they had 14 points early in the second, mm-hmm. right? Late in the first, early in the second, you know, they had got off to a good start, 14 points relatively early, and then zero points until, you know, that that last minute touchdown. You know, based on how the game played out, now granted, you know, butterfly effect, you can't change one thing and you can't expect everything to happen the same way. You know, if, if they put it together one more drive, you know, cut off some penalties, finish a drive, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, that this game, we probably leave with the win. So I think the offense is just kind of, you know, not being able to muster up some, whether it's a big play or just a tough drive was, was kind of a bummer for me. What about you? Well, I think correspondingly, because the reason they stalled out, I think has to do with our play calling again. You know, we showed some real imagination last week and we obviously came out this week wanting to establish dominance in the run game. Uh, which we did for a little while. But then, of course, what happens? They go back to stacking the box again, and we continue to run the ball and slog the ball and try and improve the run game. And I just don't understand when you showed the imagination you showed last week and you're playing a team with probably the Big Ten's worst pass defense out there, why you don't change up the play calling a little bit to attack through the air a little bit more. You know, I, I wanted to fault the offensive line because they had a couple of penalties, but I'm not sure that that's really all it is. I think that we became predictive, predictable again, and they started stacking the box and we continued to try and pound it in there. We need to soften 
the defense is up by throwing the ball and then the run game will be there for us. So uh, again, just a little bit more predictability. And I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure as well why we aren't running with other running backs. Uh, I know Allen is, is a, is a great running back, but I think Grendo got maybe three, four touches. Uh, I think we did a couple of wide receiver. I think they only have only one jet sweep. Bell had that one for a huge game. Besides that, that was it. So, you know, where's, where's Davis? Davis looked pretty good in the, in the little bit of relief that he had, I think it was at New Mexico state. I I know it's New Mexico state, but this was also Michigan state. So I, I think that we could have maybe given a little bit of variety in our run game by switching out personnel as well. And I'm just not sure if we just don't know anything as fans that something is going on, or if the coaches are just kind of, kind of fell back on on what they've done in the past which which would seem very weird to me given letting a coach go and and then that week showing such imagination so I, i'm just really confused i guess i should say uh and concerned about what happened with our play calling and personnel management in that game yeah i i agree with that um but actually i'm gonna bring up a tweet from jeff Patricus earlier today uh he was talking with bobby angram and angram did say he thinks they need to make it mix it up more and that UW was heavy run on first down of the loss. So I think a lot of Wisconsin fans, as you just said, Rob, are like, yeah, we know we'll, we'll see if, if there's a little more creativity, as you mentioned, but I don't understand. They knew it the week before. I, I just, it, it astounds me that, that he's going to say that having just shown imagination the week before. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, like there's gotta be something that we don't know as fans, but at the same time, we've seen it. So we'll, we'll see this week, I guess. Right. And I think one thing I, I kind of thought about earlier today, it's also a little maddening because Graham Mertz weirdly this year, I shouldn't say weirdly, surprisingly, is that a better word? In any case, has been very good on third downs. Yeah. Like even like third, like his numbers on third downs, third and short, third and long are really good. So what if to your point, like we're a little more aggressive, open up a little bit more early that allows us to be better running the game, running the ball later in the game how many more third and longs can we eliminate? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. All right. So having said that, what's one quick thing going forward you want to see from UW this week or the yeah, rest of the so, season. So going forward, I'd like to see tight ends being incorporated into the past game. I want to see more short to intermediate routes uh, being run because it seems like we're going long intermediate to long almost all the time. So I'd like to see a little bit more short, shorter routes incorporated because especially short routes to the flat are in essence extending your run game. So really, I'd like to see more variety in in how they do that. Uh, and then from the run game with variety, I, I, again, I'm going to go back to the personnel. I, I know Malusi's uh, out again. We'll get to that. But I really think that we need to showcase more of the running talent and styles that Wisconsin has available to them. So that's what I'm looking forward to seeing them do this week. All right. So, well, well, Rob, you have a very specific answer. Mine is unfortunately a little more general. This, this Wisconsin team is a inconsistent group so far, which is very unlike Wisconsin, you know, whether it's penalties, execution, kind of that grit emotion, we're going to say it is not have that, that consistency that other Wisconsin teams have. So I, I am curious to know, are curious to see what could have happened in, in our four losses. How many of those are wins 
if if we just play more consistent, you know? I mean, I would argue you would think Washington State and Michigan State would be two two more right there, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um obviously Ohio State, we're probably not winning that one. Illinois, that was just a flat game. Maybe I win that one either. But you know, it's probably not mentally healthy to think what could have happened, but whatever. This is a podcast, we can do what we want. See, so, yeah, I just I just want to see more consistent play. I think I'm gonna put that on t-shirt. It's the Bucky cast. We can do what we want. <laughs> We're a podcast. Oh, uh, geez. More football news. Uh, there, there was a handful of transfers since the last time we met. Uh, Logan Brown happened last week after our show, transferred. And then the following day, Jim Leonard got on, uh, got in front of a camera and said uh, that was not his choice. He was dismissed, which most people seem to appreciate out of Jim Leonard for being so straightforward. And then following the game against Michigan State, Two receivers, Marcus Allen and Stephen Stephen Bracy, enter the transfer portal. Rob, what is your immediate response to this uh, wave of transfers? You know, Logan Brown is kind of its own separate thing. Uh, I think, well, well, I think maybe it, it is and it isn't. He obviously wasn't doing or wasn't performing to the level everyone thought he was going to perform at, and was kind of falling down in the depth chart. And maybe that frustration surfaced in the incident that happened in practice, but I think Marcus Allen was probably frustrated. He had some really decent receptions towards the end of last year. So he probably felt that this was a good year for him. We went out and got Keontes Lewis, you know, we can, at a a later podcast during the post football season, we can discuss the idea of building through the portal. We may have to discuss that anyway, but I think Marcus Allen maybe was one of those people who was a little disappointed in his workload this year. And then, you know, when everything happens with Chris, it just kind of piles on top of that and makes you feel like maybe that's not where you want to be. Stephen Bracey doesn't surprise me. He, he has unfortunately been, you know, a victim of injuries uh, for a lot, a lot of his time here. I'm kind of surprised that he didn't transfer earlier in all honesty. I think what we're going to see is a combination of people who aren't getting a lot of playing time, deciding to go ahead and transfer, utilizing the 30 day rule that they're given with the firing of Paul Christ. I also think that what we may end up seeing is that while Leonard seems to be a nice guy, that he may be a little more strict than Paul Christ was. And so you may see a little chafing under the change of a system. Not necessarily that even the same guys wouldn't have been okay with it if they'd been recruited to that system, but maybe the change in the system is rubbing them a little bit the wrong way. So I would not be surprised if we see a few more go. I think what we as fans have to keep in mind is take a look at the depth chart and see who we have left, who we have coming in this year, next year, and not panic too much about it. You know, I, I've seen a lot on message boards and on Twitter about uh, having to go to the portal because we're in trouble now. Uh, I would say that other than positions we already knew we were in trouble with, like tight end, that we were still okay with the personnel that we have. So I wouldn't get too excited at this point, but I don't think this is the end, obviously. Yeah, kind of going off your kind of the last comments you made there. Jim Leonard had a had a quote this week. He said, we need to know who is in or out. Make it clear. Um, now, that was part of kind of longer discussion he was having about, you know, they got to know if you're all in or not. And, you know, some players kind of echoed similar sentiments sentiments this week and after the Michigan State game. 
And so I think once I heard Jim Leonard say that, I mean, obviously we're not at practice. We're not talking to these guys day to day. We're a podcast, right? However, like if guys aren't all in, do you, do you want them on the team? I would say no. Now, having said that, like, do I wish Marcus Allen and Stephen Bracey and, and Logan Brown it worked out better and they were still with the team and helping us out winning games? Like, yeah, of course. Like, absolutely. Genuinely, I wish they were, you know, still on the roster. In particular, Logan Brown was the second highest rated recruit we've ever had. Marcus Allen was a relatively high rated receiver recruit I was excited about. And Stephen Bracey is, has some speed that we usually don't see. So you, know, you hope it worked out. But at the same time, like, Jim Leonard's trying to get something done. And if you're not going to be part of that solution, then it's, you know, like he was saying, like, let us know, make it clear. It's, it's fine, but they're, they're trying to accomplish something. Yeah. I, I think you're, yeah, that's, that's like absolutely right. Is that Jim Leonard, I think has handled this pretty well. He, yeah. he gave them that extra day off. He's, he's moved practices around to satisfy the strain on the students, uh, the, the student athletes. and he was sympathetic, but now you're a student athlete, but this is your livelihood. Most of these kids are trying to get to the NFL. Well, you know, not most of them will make it, but most of them are trying. And so at this point, two games in, it's time to be a professional and do your job to the best of your ability. And you need to be all in, not saying, you know, you can't, still be part of your grieving process and all that stuff. But, but right now you need to be all in because your teammates are depending on you. Uh, I'm glad that he's saying things like that because that's what's needed to get this team up and running. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I totally agree with you. I think Marcus Allen would have been a great receiver here. I, I will say, I kind of feel like more importantly, we don't lose the two receivers we have coming in and Colin Dixon and Tretch Kekahuna. But uh, I'm, no, I'm not going to say that they're better than Marcus Allen, but I kind of think they're better than Marcus Allen. So I think that, you know, that's more of a concern to me is how many of these guys we're going to keep with the incoming class. Not that it's a, not that it's our class from two years ago, although that's not doing very well in the field right now, but it's not, I think that there are some really important cogs and keys in this class that we really need to make sure we keep a hold of. So Nice, but all right, moving on. One thing we're just going to real quick mention some of the football visitors this weekend. No, like, eye-popping, highly-ranked kids, uh, but they have Peyton Lang, a massive offensive tackle from Minneapolis. I think this kid's actually come to a couple games so far. I don't know if he's a scholarship player, but get a kid that size yeah, as a preferred walk-on, like, that'd be, that'd be a big get. And then one player that's kind of came out of nowhere, his name's Jimmy Schmidt. He's a safety out of Chicago. I mean, Rob, you've, you haven't heard of this kid at all either, right? I haven't watched any of his film yet, but I think I saw his measurable. He's he's like six one or something, right? So, right, I, I, yeah, I am not going to uh, sneeze at a six one safety. So anyone at this point, given the haul that we have already from Chicago, given that size, I don't think it's anyone to sneeze at. So, yeah, he seems he seems to be gaining steam. So I'll, we'll have to take a chance and watch his film when we get a chance and and take a look at him. Yeah, none of the kids that are coming this week, from at least from the class of 23, have scholarships yet or scholarship offers in Wisconsin yet. So I'm, I'm wondering which one of these kids are preferred walk-on potential or if they diamond in the rough, so to speak, or late bloomer. So, so Jimmy Schmidt, a save from Chicago is coming in. And then Evan Herman, this is someone that we're thinking is kind of a late bloomer. He's a defensive end out of Sussex, Hamilton, uh, near Milwaukee, just 
kind of a freak athlete, six, six or so good tracks. So. Does look good. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think as being the inexperienced, you know, person I am who's, who's never worked as a college football coach, I look at his film. He's from down the road. I'm like, offer the kid. We have a small class in the first place. This is, this is worth the quote unquote risk, but he's, I'm biased. So, and then lastly, we got this, I'm going to, I might butcher his last name a little bit. Tak, uh, Tetakoa. I think it's Ta- Takiyota. Takiyota. Okay. He's a quarterback out of Waukesha. My best guess is this is a kid with a decent amount of talent or athleticism, size, et cetera, that Wisconsin identified are in desperate need of QB depth and they're going to offer him a preferred walk-on or they want to check him off for preferred walk-on. Rob, is that kind of the vibe you're getting there? Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I think not that we're desperate for quarterbacks, we're, we're kind of desperate for quarterbacks. Yeah, I definitely think this is someone who's shown some ability and therefore they're looking at him as a, as a you know partial walk-on. I will say that on a side note here, my neighbor that I just met at a party found out I was you know part of our podcast mm-hmm. and uh, he's a big, I'm in Germantown, Wisconsin. So uh, Cooper Catalano, who is a visitor, I believe this, this weekend, but he's a class of 24 guy. You know, he, my, my neighbor's trying to tell me that the quarterback's pretty good too. And right. I should let, I should let someone know. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, let me call Jimmy up. And tell yeah. him that the Bucky cast says Bucky cast neighbor says that the uh, quarterback whose name I don't even know from Germantown should be to yeah. take a look at him. <laughs> yeah. Speak, speaking of German, I think there is a linebacker recruit. Like you said, yeah, he's visiting. Got a lot of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, I'm, I'm hoping that kid gets an offer. It sounds like he could be a good one. But yeah. There's, there's actually a relatively some relative big recruits coming in the class of 24 and 25 yeah. this week as well. Yeah. We're not going to list all of them just for the sake of time. We wanted to focus on the guys who might be in this current class. So I do want to say, I, I do want to yeah. say it's nice that we have four guys from 23 coming in. You know, a lot of people were worried about the class of 23 and not, not to say that these guys are the three, four, five stars that we were looking for, but I, at least we're still working the class of 23. So it's good to see that we're still getting visitors in for that class. Yeah, exactly. Let's see injury report and depth chart updates. Nothing major. Um, Lucy and Isaiah Mullins are still out. We think those are the two kind of big ones. Otherwise, no major changes. I still want to know what's going on with Riley Malman because he's still listed as a starter for right tackle. He's on the injury report. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen there. You know, um, with the way that Jim Leonard is so open with the media, which is refreshing, you would think that he would get the depth chart pretty accurate. Right? <laughs> oh, well. And now Tyler Beach was also a, a tight end jumbo package last week. However, he was listed as a starting left guard this week, and Bordellini was listed as a starting right guard. So we'll see what happens. And on to this week's actual game. We got Purdue. It's a 2.30 start for homecoming. I'm excited. It's 2.30 start. It's always fun. Some quick notes about Purdue. They have won four straight. They got some wins at Minnesota and at Maryland. So they've Beating a couple of decently good Big West teams. Oh, I guess Maryland's not Big Ten West, but they're not bad in the Big Ten. Their offense can put up some numbers. The offense can put up some points. Their defense can also allow them. So we'll see how that how that pans out. And one thing I would like to add is their quarterback um, O'Connell. He's he's getting some attention for the you know for the aforementioned numbers that the Penn State offense is putting up. And we would like everyone to know that while he has had a pretty good season. He has one fewer touchdown and one fewer interception compared to Graham Mertz. So take that however you would like. Although he does have like five or more passing yards. So he does throw the ball more often than Graham does. So 
We got some specifics out of the way. Rob, is there any matchup just kind of right off the bat you think UW can exploit in this game? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I know a lot of people were talking about Purdue and Minnesota and Iowa being the leaders. Well, maybe not Iowa, given their offense, but that Purdue and and Michigan were really kind of our tough opponents before we got beat by Illinois and that everyone was really worried about the Purdue game. But I wasn't. Now I am because in all honesty, I didn't think Purdue was performing that well. But for the last two games, I mean, they have rushed for, I want to say their rushing game picked it up from like 50 yards a game to over 120 yards a game. So they're rushing better. They're passing. I think they've gotten over 300 yards in the last two games for passing. So I don't know what Wheaties they ate, but the last couple of games, they've really come on strong in their pass game and their run game. So I am hoping that what happens is our front seven picks it up. I'm really sad that Mullins is still out, but I'm hoping that our guys can step it up uh, and get some pressure on O'Connell. If we can do that, I think their run game is just a anomaly over the last two games. I'm not sure that it's as solid as, as the last two games kind of make it appear. So uh, really what we need to do is we need to get some pressure on O'Connell because our secondary, I, I know against Michigan State, it looked like we were giving up a lot of yards, but man, did he have all day to throw the ball. So Uh, I think our initial play at the defensive back position is very strong. If we can get pressure, if we don't get pressure, then they're going to get run. They're going to get turnaround. So I'm hoping that really what we can focus on is getting that pass rush against O'Connell working. I would ditto that. I think that if there's one thing that could give Wisconsin an edge, maybe the pass rush, you know, they're, they're tight end is kind of a guy that granted we, we beat them last year when because it was like their first time it was ranked. It was their first time being ranked in, in a couple of years and their tight end still had like over hundred yards, 10 plus receptions against us. Same dude. But, you know, I think, ah, like you said, yeah, I think if, if we can, whether it's a pass rush or whether it's just making O'Connell having to play a little slower. Yeah. You know, just make them second guess a little bit. I, I think that might be enough because, you know, I know our offense has kind of had its issues this year. Purdue's defense isn't good. Isn't good. I did think our offensive line still consistent, looked a little better last week against Michigan State. So I think that could kind of give us the edge, but we'll see. Um, no, I'm ahead. sorry, real, real quick. If we can get, if Hallman can get that last touchdown pass out of his head, it was Hallman, right? That was on the on yeah. coverage of that last one. So if he can get yeah. that out of his head and he can stick to Jones, Charlie Jones and shut him down. Then oh, I yeah. think that, I think that severely limits her pass game. I mean, shoot, even let Latu sneak over to that side and, and put him in some tough positions. We can't give up. We, what we can't do again is give up the short pass that turns into a long run. So if Hallman can, can get that out of his head and shut down Charlie Jones, I think we have a chance. And then just to throw, just to throw a dad joke out there, you know, their running back is uh, Devin Mockaby. Let's uh, make a mockery of the. Oh, nice. <laughs> Devin Mockaby. Nice. Nice, Rob. <laughs>
Yeah, I think if if our defense, specifically our secondary, if we kind of play as passive we did against, like, say, Ohio State, yeah, this this game could get rough. We'll see. So I guess we we kind of answered one question. Well, we kind of mentioned it. One of our questions: Why does Wisconsin win? So we were talking a lot about defense. You know, whether it's pass rush, making O'Connell be off his mark. How about if we focus on offense for this one? What does like why will Wisconsin win from an offense perspective? I think that Wisconsin will win from that perspective if we can control the line of scrimmage, especially in terms of our run game. I, I know that I want a varied pass game, but it's really to open up that run game. You know, in, in all honesty, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to in this game is our ability to control that line of scrimmage and run the ball effectively against them. Yeah. I think your, your first mention of the trenches is exactly kind of what I was going to get at. Like obviously our running game looked a little better, so that can take another step. They're more consistent. And also like in the past game, if we give Graham a clean pocket, this is going to be the most like cherry pick stat, but Graham Mertz this year, when he throws from a clean pocket, his numbers are absurd. And anyone who heard me just say that, and you're like, well, yeah, well, like, any quarterback can be good with that. Graham Mertz is, okay, again, say what you want about Graham Mertz. He is playing much better than the last year. And also, like, again, his numbers from a clean pocket are just, it's, I think, against Michigan State, it was something like, I think he had one incompletion when he had a clean pocket to throw from. Mm-hmm. So if our offensive line can have a good game, offensively speaking, we're, we're going to play good enough to win. Yeah. Why might Wisconsin lose? Wisconsin is going to lose if they continue to have poor offensive line play. What I mean by that is if they keep committing penalties and and especially committing penalties on chunk plays, if they keep doing that and shooting themselves in the foot, it demoralizes them, it gets in their head, and it affects their performance for the next two or three snaps. So they really need to, the line especially, really needs to tighten up their penalties so that it's not affecting them in multiple ways throughout the game. And then along with that, when they do that, they actually do a good job of protecting the quarterback. I think, honestly, this year, they do a better job of protecting the quarterback than they do of opening up holes for the run game, which is kind of backwards from every Wisconsin team that there ever has been uh, since Alvarez has taken over. So that's what they really need to do is just tighten up their performance in terms of penalties. If they don't yeah, do it, I, we're we're not gonna we're not we're gonna fall apart. Yeah, I think my my big picture answer here is kind of like Wisconsin will lose if we kind of have this iffy attitude about the game, or if we're not playing like we're as uh, Jim Leonard mentioned, if we're not playing like we're all in. This is still a good football team. It's still a team that's got talent. This is still a team that can make plays. If Wisconsin kind of has a, an attitude shift, and if we see that through aggressive offensive line play, as you mentioned, if we see that through much better tackling on the defensive side. If we see that, you know, with defensive linemen and outside linebackers winning some one-on-one matchups, like I think that mindset shift will be enough for the talent to show up and play against this game and be Purdue. Because even though like Purdue's got a solid team, they do. I'm not going to sit here and say like, we should be good enough to just show up and be Purdue. But, you know, if you would have, like you mentioned, if you would have said, hey, Will, what do you think about Purdue, the Purdue game this this year? If you would have asked that back in August, I would have said, Purdue could be solid, but I think we match up really well against them. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, right now, it's harder to say that based on where our season's gone. But yeah, if Wisconsin shows up kind of with a iffy mentality, like Purdue might 
you know, stick around much longer than we think, or they might run away with it. We'll see. Yeah, I agree. The over under, or excuse me, the over under this week is 51 and a half. And we are, I think, favored by just two. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe we're favored at all against Purdue, but <laughs> but I'm going to go with it because Wisconsin's my team. So yeah. um, I am, as much as I think we should establish the run, I am hoping the coaches unleash the pass game and that this becomes a little bit of a shootout, a Big 12 game or Pac-12, I guess. So we hit the 51 and a half. Um, with a game that's decided by about three points. So, uh, yeah, I'm thinking like 28-25. Oh, wow. Okay. That's yeah. very close, I was going to say, actually. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think Wisconsin is in a position where I, – I, how do I say this? I don't – I can't make a prediction for Wisconsin game with us making a field goal based on what I've seen this year. <laughs> uh, I feel really mean saying that. So I, I do apologize to our kickers and our special teams for for saying that out loud but yeah i think we're gonna win i think we're gonna cover i think this game is gonna have a slightly different vibe than the michigan state game where i i feel like it's gonna be close and i you know this this week i feel like wisconsin pulls it out and they use it as a launching point for the rest of the season i'm gonna go wisconsin no sorry we're not gonna cover but we will hit we will go we will hit the over mm-hmm. wisconsin 28 purdue 27 nice all right Rob, you got anything for our uh, for our forward segment? I mean, I guess I got to say, I look forward to this awesome soccer interview that we have coming up. Oh, so yeah. I can't wait to talk to uh, Coach Wilkins and and one of the best goalies we've seen perform on men's or women's side recently. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. All right. I think for me, like still living in Madison and heck, like working on campus, this is homecoming week. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to like when I leave work on Friday, just kind of like walking down Bascom and up State Street and just kind of seeing, you know, maybe the parade and the festivities. You know, it should be should be a fun time. You going to go chaperone the sock hop? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Might stop at the plaza and get a burger, though. We'll see. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, folks, with that, we're going to call it a night. Hope you all have a happy homecoming and uh, and a great week. Have a good week.